0: You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast.
1: I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Media Group podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. Chad Pagracchi is the founder of Living Lands and Waters, an environmental nonprofit that was established in 1998 and has grown to be the only industrial-strength river cleanup organization like it in the entire world. Chad's work has been recognized widely over the years, including being named CNN's 2013 Hero of the Year. I talked to Chad about what motivated him to form living lands and waters, the lessons he's learned from forming a 501c3 nonprofit, and all the obstacles and sunken boats he has had to overcome. Chad also shares his thoughts on how he manages his team's time and resources to remain effective, his work on other projects such as the Bison Bridge Foundation, and how initiatives at the city and county level are setting Iowa up for environmental success in the future. I learned a lot, and I think you will, too. Stay tuned.
0: This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank,
1: member FDIC. Chad, thank you so much for taking the time. I, it's your, your story is, uh, you know, is amazing to put it, put it simply. And I've followed your work with living lands and waters for a long time. And of course now all the, the awesome energy around the, the Bison bridge initiative, um, was just tooling around on your website this morning before we talked, you got that really cool timeline there. We can kind of follow everything you guys have done and the the impact that you've had with living lands and waters. You know, the, the timeline starts in 1997, you know, there's, pictures of young Chad, there shirt off, picking, picking all sorts of trash out of the, the Mississippi river, getting his start. But I, I want to start our conversation a couple of years before that, you know, what, what was Chad up to before you started um, diving into this, what has become a lifelong pursuit? What, what, what was, what were you doing there in 1995
0: or 1994? Well, you said it diving into, um, <clears throat> so I grew up on the Mississippi river and my brother started shell diving called it clamming yep. and then I, I will open him. So sort out the clam shells, which were being sold for just the shell, not the meat for the culture, Pearl industry. So they take these shells and they'd punch a bead in them. Um, and then they insert the bead um, in oyster farms over in Japan. So anyway, I ended up uh, diving, uh, um, after I sorted shells with him for about a year, then I started diving on my own. And um, so I, I was a commercial shell diver from like, you know, 16 to uh, 21, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, well, 15 to 21 really. But um, basically crawled, uh, you know, it's pitch black water being down there. And, um, you know, you you got a big basket around your neck and like a 80 pound lead around your waist and a go-kart engine pumping air through a garden hose down to you. And, you just get down there and stay down there for like two or three hours at a time and crawling around, grabbing those muscle shells, putting them in a basket. And, um, I did that for six summer seasons with my brother that's crazy. Um, and that's kind of where I started to see lots of garbage out there. And so that's, uh, that's how I got into cleaning up, uh, rivers was, was just diving and, uh, did that, did some commercial fishing, um, and, uh on the river and, and worked on barges. So kind of, that's, that's what I was up to back, back there.
1: Yeah. The summer clamming was that while you were in high school or what what was your age then? Okay.
0: Yep. Just uh, from like uh, 15 uh, uh, till I was 21. So yep, high school into college and that's kind of how I was saving money to go to college. And once I was in college to stay in college and uh, through, through those uh, experiences, I basically worked for all the way, I can't say I crawled every inch of it, but I crawled a lot of it on the bottom from Fort Madison to Dubuque.
1: That's awesome. And
0: um, you know, not not every inch of it, but I worked every stretch. And and um, so yeah, that's uh, pretty much what I was what I was up to then, which led me here. You know,
1: think back to the. I mean, before you got into the whole, um, you know, the initiative of cleaning up the rivers and taking the trash out. What what was it about being on the river? I mean, literally in the river. Was it was it just something you took right too was it was it a passion for environmentalism was it the love of being outdoors take take us back to you know 1997 Chad what what was really making you tick then
0: oh I just you know I I just the Mississippi River is like my backyard my parents house is right right on the water so um you know just kind of that was always like my stomping ground and where I enjoyed being and and um then I started to see all that trash out there and you know, I just didn't like seeing it and thought of it as my backyard and thought of it as a, a, a an amazing place and, and and started. So in the daytime, I was on the bottom shell diving. At nighttime, in order to save money, my brother and I would camp out on all these different islands um, or on the bank. And we started to see so much garbage. And the more I started to notice, the more I was like, I, I want to do something about it. And that's kind of how, uh, how, how it started. So I would say, you know, the river, you know, obviously very important to me, but you know, it wasn't like um, super well thought out. I just didn't like seeing something and thought that I could do something about it. You know,
1: when you started, you know, started up, you know, you got your first sponsorships in 1997. You start picking, you know, the trash out of there. When did you? When did it hit you that hey, that you could be onto something here beyond just you and a and a boat going out and getting trash out of the river? When did it really start to to take off the entire initiative?
0: Well, um, you know, I just started working with a little basically a John boat, like a 20 foot John boat that was previously my claiming boat. Um, I started just doing boatload after boatload um, out of the river, and people started noticing me out there and asked me what I'm doing, and they liked it. And they called the media. Quad City Times did a, um, a front, front page uh, article back in the day, and then they sent that out on the AP. And then um it, it essentially um uh CNN flew in for it, Fox News came in for it, and Peter Jennings sent and Anderson Cooper from ABC Worldwide News from wow. New York to come in. And so that's when it kinda took off, you know. Um what was great is those news pieces, you know, it it kind of gained some attention, but really what was cool is I, I had some video and that's and that sh- now I could show people like what I was trying to do. And so yeah. around here kind of gained a little bit of momentum and, and, um, you know, I just, that was pretty much it. I had one small sponsorship from Alcoa here in, in Bettendorf, Iowa. Yep. And, uh, that's, and then the next year, uh, because of that attention got, got a little more and just built upon the momentum before I kind of even thought about momentum.
1: <laughs> yeah. Look at looking back on it. What do you think garnered that national attention? Was it the, the fact that there was this Iowa boy, you know, taking this on as his life's work and pursuit, or was it people, you know, this was it just the enormity of the problem that no one had really shown a light on before. Like, what take us? what do you think was the actual reason why this you know, Anderson Cooper comes into to Moline, Illinois, you know, the, into the quad cities. Like what, what was it then that, what was unique about your story and what you were doing that, that garnered that much attention?
0: I think it was everything you said, you know, just somebody wanting to do something and, and, uh, and, and, you know, it's the Mississippi river. If it would have been some other rando river, like, you know, probably wouldn't have, but because it is the Mississippi river and things were starting to turn then, like, as far as people appreciating the sure. rivers, all rivers for what they are. And if, you know, uh people are starting to see it as, as something positive that should be worth, um, you know, cleaned up and worth saving and promoting and, so, it, you know, timing is a lot, but I think, yeah, somebody doing good, um, you know, people want to see people doing good work. And so I, I think um, all those things played in. Again, I, it wasn't a master plan on my end. I just saw a problem and started doing it. And these things uh, uh, happened. And and I'm glad they did because they built really good momentum right off the bat, which helped propel it and keep, keep it going. And, and uh, you know, so all that jazz.
1: Yes, you get, you get the momentum of of the, you know, like you said, the, the, the attention and the people wanting to get involved and the volunteers. But then in 1998, you actually go about forming um, the Living Land and Waters 501c3. Walk me through the mechanics. I mean, <laughs> I'm assuming you didn't know a whole heck of a lot about how to start a nonprofit or what all goes into that from the legal side, accounting, all those various things. Uh, did you have the right people around you to help with that? Or did you dive right in? Or what, you know, someone that's, you know, pulling clams out of the bottom of the river. Now you got to get into all this business, sort of non stuff. How to, how did you go about doing that?
0: Well, I I asked I I didn't I didn't have it the first year and uh, and and the second year even I went to a Quad City Conservation Alliance, uh, which was a a group of a bunch of different bass fishing clubs and different hunting clubs and all that, and asked sure. them if they would you know I could use their them as like an umbrella, and they were like, yeah. So they were super helpful. And then I formed, um, living lands and waters, uh, the next year, you know, that, that would have been three years doing it. And I knew this is, this is going to be my life's work. This is what I want to do. I liked pretty much every aspect of it. And I knew that it is what you make it, you know? Um, and, and I liked the opportunity on that. I, and I enjoyed, you know, working with different people at the companies and, uh, you know, liked cleanups and, I liked people and I liked seeing the results and doing something positive. There really wasn't much to like, but at the end of the day, it's a lot of work in every right. capacity, but I wasn't well versed in a 501 C3. I just, I had help, uh, on getting that going. And, and, um, you know, you don't, you don't, I mean, I guess the lesson is like you don't need to be good at everything, you know, and, and you just need, there's people who are, and you just need to ask and, and, um, that, 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 you know, the ability to know that, I guess, uh, has, has helped a lot. Like, hey, I'm not good at everything, but there's somebody who is. I'll, I'll find them and ask them.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just looking through, you know, everything that you guys have accomplished over the, the you know, from 1997, 98, when you guys got your start to now. One, one big thing that jumps out to me is 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 the numbers side of it. I mean, you guys are obviously having a tremendous impact in the, the qualitative um, impact is, is immense and, um, something that's, that's obviously super admirable. But one thing that you have driven throughout your entire kind of history is, is the number side of it. You know, the 12.6 million pounds of trash removed to date. Um, and even back, back when you start your timeline, you know, the, your first year you did 42,000 pounds. Have you always been a numbers guy? Like, has that always been a goal? Have you found people that sort of resonate with, with that piece of it? Does it help people better understand the, the impact you're having? Talk a bit about like how you go about, you know, the quantitative side of what you're doing.
0: No, I'm not a numbers guy, but, but you also, you want to justify what you're doing, you know, and you, yeah. and, and if people are going to put something into it, I, I want to be able to tell them exactly what, what, how much we did. So it was, you know, um, and you could tell the news that too, you know, because people are impressed. Like, um, and so. Uh, not a numbers guy, but just knew that, that, that those numbers are impactful and just uh, for a multitude of reasons, like, the, you need to, need to be able to, to have, have results. And um, luckily, we do have some numbers folks on our team now that uh, are really adamant about, you know, how much tonnage comes in and, and all that. So, um, but I, I do like touting the numbers, and as the years go on, they just get more and more from, you know, I think we've planted or given away 1.7 million oak trees, um, you know, and so uh, just just lots of, um, uh, and then 12.6 million pounds. We're over, I think it's like 121 thousand volunteers we work side by side with. Over, yeah, 40, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, 1,400 river cleanups around the country, and just uh, so you know, it, it's 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 good to have those. Uh, you can kind of sum it all up and. But at the end of the day, it just takes a lot of hard work and and uh, making all those things happen from a m- much bigger team than just me. That's for sure.
1: You bet. Looking back on your the whole sort of arc of your journey with Living Land and Waters, was, was there a moment there when you when you ever thought, "Man, I don't know if we can keep doing this, or is this worth it?" Or um, was there you know one patch of, of adversity either for the nonprofit seeing that going forward, or just your enthusiasm or interest in the cause at any, was there any point in time there when you ran into a little bit of adversity?
0: Um, no, I never thought about not doing it, but you know, the, the first five years was just that it's all it was, was just obstacles. You know, I've had lots of boats sink and I mean, I've had, I mean, it, it I mean, whatever. I, I had so many problems the first year. It was a great learning experience, but yeah. I just thought to myself, you know, you just got to, you got to keep going, whatever, whatever happens. You just got to go through that over it, around it, under it, whatever it takes, you just got to keep moving forward. And, and so that once I kind of got that mindset, like problems are going to happen all the time. Like it's just what it is and you just got to keep rolling. And, and that, that it's, it actually kind of, that mindset has helped out a lot because there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of problems with what we do, you know. There's a lot of logistics and everything we do. We have barges now, and towboats, and cranes, and excavators, and fleets, right. work trucks, and work boats, and I mean, you know, and we work all over the country, and well, we work in New York City, and D.C., and Philadelphia, and and you know Pittsburgh, and I mean every every place, Kansas City, Memphis, New Orleans, Minneapolis. So you know things things. Uh, I'm actually going to Minneapolis tomorrow. So Uh, but yeah, just, uh, you know, there's all sorts of issues and each place has its own set of challenges, but, um, I'd say that one of the things that, that people don't realize is the amount of like, you know, we take safety, very, very important with all the cleanups. I I look at the 120,000 people that have come to our cleanups. I look at that, you know, that's, that's, we you know, you gotta be really safe and make it a safe, memorable experience for those people. And, and, uh, and so, you know, we focus a lot on that behind the scenes. And that's, you look at all the businesses and that, you know, they they focus on safety. And so I've learned
1: a lot from a lot of people. Let's say that. Absolutely. it's it. How do you allocate or determine how best to allocate your organization's time and resources on sort of an annual basis? You, have, you only have so many, you know, number of crews and places you can go, but the, seems like the need is almost limitless in America's riverways. How are you guys determining where, best to allocate your resources in order to be successful
0: uh, you know each place is unique and and um, and so we kind of try to go to a place and then work our way out of it um if there's people you know we work in a lot of rural places i, I mentioned the bigger cities just because they're points of like geographic you know right. but uh but really we work in a lot of rural areas where there's just not much momentum or focus on clean rivers and so we'll work in a place let's say like Burlington, Iowa. I worked there 10 years. Well, there was a, a really a need for us to come back because there's a lot of other places we need to be, but there was such enthusiasm from from the people that you know, they were doing cleanups on their own and and so um you know, we kind of try to work our way out, try to do a really good job um, or get it clean or or there's other groups it kind of each each place has its own like and and sometimes logistically we just can't get back there um, for two years or something like that but um, we try to try to go into a place and and build a lot of momentum you know
1: yeah absolutely how do you combat cynicism I mean, you come across I mean, you're obviously a super positive guy you've, you've taken this on with, with tremendous impact and success but and, uh, someone from afar looks at this or sees one of your videos or just drives over and looks at the side of a a river, you know, anywhere in the Midwest or in the United States for that matter. And it's pretty easy to become cynical of just the sheer amount of shit that's floating around in the rivers and the trash and all that. Like you have advice for folks that just sort of, you know, you look at that from afar and just kind of feel like, man, what difference can I make? You know, that sort of approach to it. How, how have you combated cynicism or how, how has that crept in and how have you fought it off through the course of your career?
0: I really haven't fought it off, really haven't thought much about it really, just, uh, just do what you do and work as hard as you can every day. And I mean, every day. Um, and, and that's all you can do really. I don't, you know, and I have the results and, and certain places it's not like, it's just me saying, Hey, I think it's cleaner. It's like, there's the towboat operators, bass fishermen. I mean, the random kayakers, bird watchers, a lot of different people saying it just seems a lot cleaner than it used to be. Right. So that, that sort of like, that's, that's enough proof for me, you know? And, um, and then, you know, just walking through a lot of the places that I once walked that were really trashed and the garbage just isn't coming back, uh, in in certain places like it, it was. And so, um, I feel like we're making a big difference and don't really focus on, uh, on, on too much other than just continuing to propel
1: it forward. You know, it's probably a dumb question, but you know, where does the trash, Come from is people just literally just dumping this stuff into the rivers? Or I mean, obviously this is against rules and regulations. But have there been measures? I know a big part of your organization is is the education uh, component of it as well. Have there have you seen much success in the in the drop off or, or reducing the amount of inputs into the rivers that's trash? Or is that still a huge problem?
0: Well, certainly having great recycling programs, and I know Iowa City has one uh scott county here um and near davenport has one of the best in the country um those make huge differences if people have an opportunity and don't have to pay um to take certain things in you're just going to see a lot less in 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 the river um and so that that makes a big difference uh for sure um but i mean actually i forgot the question Okay. No, where's, where the hell does all the trash come from? And is oh, it, yeah, that, sorry, Is that yeah. problem getting better? The inputs? You know what? It, it, so where the trash comes from is, is always a good question. So it used to be a lot more people just dumped in the river because there weren't those recycling programs. Sure. But, uh, it comes from all over i mean the the drainage basin for the mississippi river is 1.2 million square miles that's what it drains 31 states two canadian provinces so the stuff comes from all over but uh but i would say it's it's less people dumping just because mentality has changed as in you know um and and so but floods happen you know um litter happens sometimes attentional sometimes not If it goes to a creek, it winds up in the river. So stuff comes from all over, but it just, it does seem like a lot less. um, As far as the bulky items, you know, the refrigerators, we pulled, I think just shy of a thousand refrigerators out. Um, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but you know, but, but what there is now, um, contrary to um, like the, you know, the, the positive part of it, the negative is, you know, Twenty years ago you went into a gas station and got gas. now like, You might go in there and buy a soda or whatever. But now you go in there and it's just a straight up wall of plastic. Sure. You know? Just a whole thing. That's how they make their money. And uh but I will tell you, Iowa with that bottle bill that you guys have, that is the key to a cleaner river. The 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 difference in between Illinois and Iowa and the amount of stuff coming out of creeks or in ditches is On the side of the roads, it's it's like night and day. It's really cool. You guys have the 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 bottle bill, and I hope that it continues to stay. It's a big deal, man. Uh, You go out places like Memphis, Tennessee, just to give you an idea. We've pulled out almost a million pounds in a three mile stretch where this where this little river comes out uh, of just plastic bottles. Barge load after barge load after barge load. They have no bottle bill. If they had a nickel on each one, it wouldn't. You would never see that problem in Tennessee. So that's. It's a good. It's a it, it, I I I think was very progressive in that in that standpoint.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, what what drives you today versus what drove you back in 1997 when you started the organization? Is there are there different things that make you tick? Or I mean, obviously the underlying motivation remains the same, but are there different things that get you excited when you wake up in the day?
0: what drives me today um, is a 1993 toyota pickup truck i bought for 3500 bucks <laughs> it's actually legit stick shift old school it's not bad don't really care if it's scratched that's what pretty much drives me uh, you know, like what drives it. me is the ability to to make big things happen and knowing that it's all those little little steps um, and you know i have tremendous resources that i didn't have then so i can i can work on bigger um, sort of bigger things, and 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 know that you know I feel like this you know this country is one of the greatest places in in the world to make things happen, and you can truly do it as an individual. And I'm 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 a firm believer in that. And um, but you know, yeah, I I I like progression. I like moving forward. I like work. I like hard work. I like hustle. I like teams of people, and so. Um, and I like big, big ideas and, uh, and doing all the small steps to get there. And so, um, I think that's, that's really what, what drives me. And, and, um, uh, I have wonderful people around me. I mean, yeah. what, what do you do? You know, yeah, you have I got to. something random for you. Speaking yeah. of get good people. You know, I, I, I work in a very positive space, you know, yep. and I surround myself and try to with really good people and have been successful in that. Um, I believe and and, uh, but I always wonder like, like cops and judges, like, you know, they're seeing people at, at, at their worst, you know? And it's like, I, these people that I work with, 120, some thousand, like these are the people that come out on a Saturday with their kids and volunteers thinking bigger than themselves and And they're coming to you. Yeah. Yeah. I just wonder how, like, how cops and judges stay, stay. Positive in in their own in their own heads. It seems like a really tough job, so I give props to those guys, the um, yeah. ladies, you know. So yeah,
1: absolutely. You talked about that, you know, that forward progression, that momentum. What is? Let's fast forward to 2040. Uh, you know, you've got another 18 years under under your belt with living land and waters. Like, what does success look like in 2040 for you guys? Are you measuring that by, you know, is that five x ten x of the current pound that you? you know, millions of pounds you pulled from the river or is it that the organization is still there doing it or is there some grander goal or grander impact? What, what does success look like 15, 20 years down the road?
0: No, I, I think that success is whatever, whatever you can do. I mean, there's no like twenty, fifty year goal. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's just to continue working hard every day. And, and, uh, I would say that that that's really the, um, that you know, whatever those results are by then is great, and and you know I'm saying, so you know I don't really have that that sort of giant goal um, for it. So
1: yeah, and you've and you've taken on you know other initiatives, most notably the the, the Bison Bridge um, yeah. project. Where did that idea come to you? Get, walk us through the the initial part of um, you know when we were in the in the shower or on a long <laughs> out fishing yeah. or duck hunting or something, or how that how'd that come to be.
0: Um, so the bison bridge is, uh, it's, uh, basically interstate 80, uh, where it crosses the Mississippi river. They're going to build a new bridge in about five years. And so my, my goal is to keep the existing bridge, which isn't some giant monstrosity with girders. It's like the most simplistic bridge you could want to save. And from a uh, financial standpoint, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's perfect for that, but it's pretty big. You know, it's 65 foot wide. So my thought was I want to, you know, use half of it for pedestrians and the other half for a wildlife crossing. I want a small herd of bison, which sounds kind of crazy uh, to some, but it's almost too big if you were to save just for people, you know, mm-hmm. the wildlife crossing would make it a one of a kind world attraction, but really the bison has been getting a lot of attention because it is one of a kind and, and rightfully so it'd be amazing. But it's really the Mississippi River that's the focus, you know. Yeah. And seeing it from a different vantage point, what I want to do through Bison Bridge is make it similar to the St. Louis Arch and make it iconic. And so, if you're traveling on eighty, which there's forty-two thousand cars a day traveling at Interstate eighty, but right now they're not stopping. You know, they're just going on by. I live right by the bridge, and that was my association to that bridge, and yep. and wanting to uh, to keep it, but. You know, I I feel like it's your first impression of Iowa or your last impression, your first impression of Illinois or your last impression. And right now, it's just a blah. It's it's just there isn't there's nothing really there. Just you just keep on going. Matter of fact, it's so bad that Iowa closed their rest area right there, their tourist center, because people just want. And so Bison Bridge, uh, I believe people would. You'd have to check out BisonBridge.org if you want to know more. Please sign up on there. It's not a fundraising tool. It's just to let people know that uh, um, a lot of people from all over think it's a really cool idea. And uh, I've behind the scenes been working on it. I've thrown a lot of money at it. Got a great team of about six or seven of us um, that are actively uh, putting that together, but. Um, you know, yeah, it, it's uh, that's it's I guess you'd say it's forward thinking and and that Absolutely. that would be the 2040 goal is to have that up and, and kick an ass.
1: That's It's an amazing it'd be an amazing asset for obviously for Iowa and Eastern Iowa there. What's the biggest hurdle right now for it get for it to get done? Um, I,
0: I think I believe the alignment of where the new bridge uh, will be will be conducive for the the repurposing of the bridge. Um, and so that was a big hurdle for us. And I'm not saying we're over it. We don't know where the new bridge will be, but based on the, the alternatives and, and our expertise on our team, we think we have a pretty good shot. So the off ramps on where those, where those are and how that's, uh, try to make that, um, work. I, uh, kind of cool though. I did partner with university, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Iowa state, um, mm-hmm. on creating the um, the Iowa side and sure. also university of Illinois for the Illinois side. I just had my first uh, bison bridge conference on the barge and we backed down under the bridge and then went up to the overlook and, awesome. and uh, with students. So that was, that was really cool. But uh, no, a lot of momentum, a lot of progression with that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't think money will be the issue and it's totally privately funded and we're not. I'm not looking for any state or, or, you know, federal money. We don't, I don't believe we need it. So
1: good, good stuff there. Yeah, that's awesome. A couple, couple more quick questions before we wrap things up here. You know, you look, you look at your story and, you know, 2013 CNN hero of the, of the year, tons of acting, you doing an amazing work and you, and you see your personality, it's infectious, it's inspiring. It's easy for people on the outside to look at, so I look at um, you know, look at uh look at Chad. He's he's a happy guy. He's following his you know his dream and he's driven by this, but there's gotta be something that you hate about your job or about your the work you gotta do on a daily basis. Like what's your least favorite thing about the the work you have to do? Well,
0: one thing is is I, I don't
1: I, I'm I don't believe in the follow
0: your dreams thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of bullshit. I think you you really need if you really want stuff to happen, you gotta lead your dreams. And you can't follow it. You need to lead it. And you need to, you know, actively do it every day in, in order to get there. So, um, but as far as one thing I don't like about the job, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. Um, it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's pretty wearing uh, sometimes, but I'm definitely not complaining. I mean, yeah. it's self-induced. So, you know, it's like, if you're tired, well, then you, you did it to yourself. So um, I, I'll take both of that, you know. But um, no, I just, I don't really, you know, I don't know. We just celebrated our 25th anniversary, um, uh, 25 year uh, deal on last Thursday. And, and so many people from all over the country came in for it and, and all that. So kind of riding on that right now. So don't really have too much negative to say,
1: you know? Yeah, absolutely. What the uh, one last question before we wrap up what's a perfect? afternoon look like for you or not necessarily you but just if, if an island or someone from Illinois or whomever wants to go enjoy the Mississippi River like what's the what's the perfect afternoon or evening or day look like on the Mississippi for uh, a family or some folks that want to go enjoy it that, that have have been separated from the river that have a chance to go interact with it much or need to get re- reintroduced to the river you mean like a cleanup or something like that no, not a cleanup where we could be anything like what's your you know and, and you, you know, you've you've grown up on the river your whole life. You've lived there. I mean, obviously, you've done work on the river and cleaned it up. But just either for recreation or, um, you know, what's that quintessential day look like to you on the on the Mississippi River?
0: Uh, to me, just you know,
1: out honestly, just getting getting
0: garbage and and uh, low stress and and uh, just doing as much as you can, but seeing the results and you know maybe doing a couple a uh, few boatloads in a day. Uh, <laughs> You know that that's what fun to me is kind of I, I really enjoy it. So it's yep. just kinda, you know I'd say that that's, that's pretty much it really.
1: How about in Eastern Iowa uh, from a recreation standpoint on the Mississippi? Do you have a favorite section that that really stands out? Um, like Senior, Prairie Senior, scenery, or yeah, like Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin
0: up there. Um, you know, um, by McGregor, Iowa, yep. I, I really like all, all that area. But honestly, every stretch is, is, is I like every stretch. It's all different. You know, I like some of the stretches where no one goes at all because they're above a dam and hard to get to and all those, those are kind of cool. Even if it's not like uh geographically the coolest place, just like so there's just a lot of different uh, some places. The stars are super bright. There's no light pollution, you know, just different, different in spots And and then they hold different memories too. So I've, i pretty much worked in most every spot, at least on the upper, you know? So sure. it's pretty good stuff.
1: Absolutely. Okay, a couple quick rapid fire questions here as we wrap it up. If, if given the chance, I'm, I'm looking forward to asking you this question. Um, if given the chance, what profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? If you had a parallel um, life and you could go just do, do anything else. Uh... I I
0: wanted to be a professional snowboarder, um, before I got into this. I spent a lot of time out west, and and uh, you know uh, that would probably be good. I mean, yeah, I think that would be good. I'm I'm older now though, so
1: I don't know yeah, if that's
0: still doable. But uh, yeah, your
1: knees and shoulder, you don't want to take yeah. the
0: falls a little less. Uh, yeah, a little more impact. You know, I, I don't know this. This definitely fits me really well. So it's hard to say. I was kind of thought this is perfect. So, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't know if I answered it, but that's no, about perfect. It. Yeah, you, yeah. You
1: have an environmentalist or uh, or a hero or you were growing up or someone that's really inspired you that or something. Uh, that no, it was
0: no, n- not in particular. Just there's just a lot of people like that. I took different things from, and I think I still do. You know, like my dad's very persistent. Like he's just very persistent on getting things done. Yep. Um, and and then I had other people that, you know, like they were self-employed that had a lot of different, didn't have all their eggs in one basket, but they worked really hard. Um, and you know, just different things. And you know, certain people that were positive, whatever. But you know, I think you take a lot from from different people. And and yep. um, you know, so yeah, I think I, I don't think in, any one in particular, just more, more different people.
1: You have a, what's well, a podcast or TV show or anything else you into these days that, uh, I it can either be related to the work you're doing or, or completely unrelated. Any, um,
0: randomly, uh, I've been listening to some Joe Rogan. I watched the Elon Musk one with, with Joe Rogan and him. I'm not all the way through it yet, but I was, I was, i was like not shocked but i was like wow is elon musk very intelligent and so is joe rogan too i i uh yeah. you know i i thought that was so that that would be most recent um but yeah i don't know i listen to a lot of music you know stuff like that i, I used to read a lot what before COVID because i would fly a lot to different places and so i spent a lot of time reading but I'm, I'm not as well read because I haven't been spending time on planes, so sure. it's fine. F-
1: uh, fiction or non-fiction or uh, stuff related to your, your field work? Usually board? about people. Okay. You got a favorite, favorite biography or autobiography?
0: Yeah, I'm not, I don't like, like, I'm not, yeah, biographies. I'm, I'm not a, I like taking away something. Like, what can I take away from this? What can I add to what, you know, whatever that is. I, I like that. I've only read, like, in the last 20 years, like one nonfiction book, maybe. Uh, and my wife gave it to me, but
1: anyway, it was all right. But is there, it, is there a, is there a book there a person from history that stands out that you've taken the most from or a book? Uh, the only, well, you
0: know, one book that, no, I don't know about one in particular book. There's, but the one that Yankin and pulling all their lives about a commercial fishing family in Bellevue, Iowa Thought that that one was cool. And then there was another one um called uh, The Last of the Market Hunters, which is oh. about hunting ducks in the depression and putting them in peach cans and sending them to Chicago. And I actually <laughs> knew that grandson I used to build boats with the guy and blah wow. blah blah. But those two those are by the SIU press. Uh those are kind of cool, like sort of in my realm books, yeah. With um awesome. yeah. So very cool. Uh,
1: Okay, one, one last question. Uh, if you had 30 extra minutes in a day, what would you do with it?
0: Probably sleep.
1: <laughs> How many hours of sleep you get a day? You strike me as the kind of guy that's like, a, he's like a four or five hour. No, I you know, sleep no. like a baby for eight, eight to ten.
0: No, I need seven because I put everything I got in into the day, you know. So yep. seven, my brain will be pretty good the next day. If I get less than that, it's it's okay, True. but um, I like to get seven or more, you know, if I can. So, but uh, I've been going to sleep pretty early now that I'm getting older.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I love it. But if you were to kind of describe in one sentence, you know, what is success? Uh, how would you, how would you describe it? results. Love it. My thanks to Chad Pagracchi for coming on to the show to talk about his real success. If you'd like to learn more about Living Lands and Waters, visit livinglandsandwaters.org to get involved. You can also learn more about Chad's Bison Bridge project at bisonbridge.org. I'd also like to thank this podcast sponsor, Midwest One Bank. Experience simply better banking at Midwest midwest1.bank. And this podcast is produced by the LAS Media Group, located in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information on them, visit lasmediagroup.com. And if you enjoy this show, please consider subscribing and reviewing on your podcast platform of choice. It all helps us to continue to develop and grow. Real Success with Nate Kading is a Corridor Media Group podcast. For more information, visit corridorbusiness.com.